You are listening to Pastor Mike Greiner of Harvest Community Church in Catanning, Pennsylvania. We pray that you will be challenged today as you listen to a sermon entitled, We Are Looking for a Few Good Men, recorded on February 11, 2018. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org. Let's join Pastor Mike as he preaches. Well, hello everybody. If you're a first-time guest, welcome to Harvest Community Church. My name is Mike, and you may be in Indiana, Pennsylvania, Fairview, Pennsylvania, Freeport, Pennsylvania, or right here in what we call beautiful Catanning, Pennsylvania. And welcome to Harvest. I'm about to open the word again. We're going we're gonna to get back to right where we left off in 1 Timothy 3 on Black Friday of 2016. That was the last sermon I did on Timothy. We took a little break, and now we're going to pick it up right where we left off. You can open your Bibles now to 1 Timothy 3, 1-7, but before we go, I actually want to ask all the campuses, if you would, to join me in a prayer right now. Uh, we, have, um, we have a team way over in Asia, and they are uh, working to plant churches, um, and I was very, very excited about this weekend for them, and I'm still excited because they're having their first ever um, women, our women are teaching some um, women who are Muslims who are no longer, who are Christians now. Um, this is a big step. You know, we've, we've had men talk to men. Um, but uh, the news, there's only three of them, but, but I, I'm still excited. That's a great start. Um, two won't be making it because it was discovered that what they were doing, and they were beaten um, for their faith and forced to remain in their villages. Um, so we, there's one. And God has his plan for the one, as discouraging as it is for the two. Um, But we want to pray for the two to be strengthened and our team to be strengthened. And uh, remember that um, Jesus preached on a cross is not welcome uh, in this world because Satan does not want human beings to come to know Christ and have their sins forgiven. And so we join our team in prayer. And I wanted us all to join at all the campuses, so I would like to lead us in a prayer. Could you join me? Father in heaven, You said, uh, pray to send workers into the harvest because the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. And the workers have gone, and now these young ladies, these sisters of ours who we've never met, who are new to your kingdom within the last year or two or so, are finding the rejection that you found when you walked the earth. You told us we would suffer too, just like you, so it is not shocking that this happens, and nevertheless, Lord, we still wish it would stop. So we pray for these two ladies that you would strengthen them, and that great joy would be theirs in unexpected moments, that they'd know they're not alone, and that they would, because of this persecution, find less love for this world, less love for sin, and more love for you, and share your good news with more people. And may those who beat them be forgiven and find you. And for the one who is making it out, uh, we pray our ladies and this lady know grace. For you care about the one. You care about the one anywhere in the world wherever we are, wherever she is. And so it is our honor as a church in western Pennsylvania to go to you, our Father, and remember her and ask you for your grace to be showered on her 
that she be set free from sin, that she finds joy in knowing uh, you better and better and goes back to encourage others. In Christ's name, amen. Well, thank you for praying with me. So, question to ask about to lead his flock what sort who do you leave with your people when i had kids you know you got kids you got to get babysitters who do you choose to babysit your kids it matters right and i was always very paranoid guy so i don't think i ever hired a single male babysitter i know it's awful and it, it's just, it, but i wanted my kids safe right um and and even the women i brought in i i it was like the third degree to have to babysit my kids. Uh, maybe I overdid it, but I had a goal of getting them to 21 unharmed. And then they could go out and do all the dangerous behaviors they want, okay, because then they're adults. When you have something precious, you care who looks after it. God's church is precious to him who looks after it. In our text today, 1 Timothy 3, 1 to 7, God describes the sort of men he wants to look after his flock. So let's read that together. First um, Timothy 3, 1-7. The Bible says, This saying is trustworthy. If anybody aspires to the office of overseer, stop aspires. If somebody wants an office, a church, how many uh, positions should there be in the church? Well, there's only two offices we know of that we're supposed to have. And this is the, the, the first and most important one. You have to have the office of overseer. Overseer is the same as what can be called a bishop or an elder. And, and at Harvest, we have an elder-led church. So this really matters to you because you'd better have men that this describes. And I can give you the list of elders, and you can listen to this list and decide whether you think they make it or not. And if they don't, let me know, and I'll tell them you gave them a bad report card, and we'll fire them. <laughs> you laugh, it could happen. <laughs> you laugh, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Uh, th- therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband and wife, sober-minded. Okay, when I was looking at this, I thought, you know, I could go through each one of these and study the Greek and all that stuff and break them down, and it would take a long time, and we might get lost in the trees and not see the forest So I'm going to go rather quickly here because I think you're smart enough, we're all smart enough to figure out what's being said. But a a little comment here and there. Husband and one wife, one woman, man. Faithful. Faithful husband is what you're looking at there. Sober-minded, it's a restrained person. It's not talking about drink, although that's in here. Self-controlled, sensible. Sensible, wise thinking is what that self-controlled means. It's a sensible, you know, there's sensible people and those people aren't sensible. You know what that is. Respectable. Hospitable means not just that you're good at having people to your house. You may be, you may not be, hopefully you are, but that you welcome people into your soul. You welcome people into your life. All of you know some people who, you know, you approach them and you think warm. That person lets me into their world at least a little bit. And then you have other people you think, it's all business. Well, God's overseer needs to be hospitable. He needs to let you in. Um, let others in and be kind to others, regardless of who they are. Skilled at teaching, we're able to teach. Don't think that needs explanation. Not a drunkard. It's not saying no alcohol. It's saying no drunkenness. Um, it's not mentioned in the Bible because they didn't have to worry about it, but it'd be assumed he does not smoke the sweet chiba. 
um, does not use opioids or any other chemicals to make himself happy. He's not violent, but gentle. He doesn't solve things by beating up people. Uh, he's not quarrelsome, not always looking for an argument. Um, <laughs> that's really funny when I say that one, because that's the one that always makes me feel like a hypocrite right there. But I've, I've getting older. I've changed, you know. No one's perfect, but God, I used to, that, you know, you struggle with some of them. I used to, it wasn't that I was quarrelsome. It's just that my mom, my dad, my brothers were always wrong. Which is, <laughs> what are you going to do in a house full of yo-yos? You got to correct them. Then they fight you on it. Not a lover of money. Uh, he, he, you're looking for a person who's not stingy, really, there. He's a stingy person. You don't want that. Uh, he must manage his own household well. With all dignity, keeping his children submissive. There is a grammar issue there. Where does that dignity go? Does his kids have dignity or does he have dignity? Um, who cares? Um, either way, it still seems to work out. Your kids obey. When you say, if you have a, a, an elder or leader in your church and he says to the kid, hey, don't do that. Hey, don't do that. And the kid's like, eh, you know, <laughs> does one of these. You know, a kid could do that at any moment, but if that is the regular, normal way it is in the house, then that person is not qualified. But if the regular, normal way, with only a once in a while, because everyone does that to their dad once in a while. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household or family, how will he care for God's church? If you can't, you can't manage your house, who's putting you in charge here? He must... Not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Uh, so, so God, a new, new person gets saved. Everybody likes him. He's nice. He's kind. He's respectable. He's all the right things, but he's newly saved. And then you put him in charge, and all of a sudden he gets a big head. Everyone sees my greatness. <laughs> Didn't take long for me, for these people to realize. How did they get along without me? No, you want someone who goes through a little bit of... Uh, the school of hard knocks, as we call it in our time. Um, moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders. You don't have to have a perfect reputation. Remember, Christian is filled with ex-sinners. So outsiders might say, well, I remember when that dude used to ride with me in the motorcycle gang and knock over, you know, old ladies or whatever. It doesn't mean that he didn't have a past. What it, what it means is you can dress him up and take him out. Right? You know what that means, right? You say, you, can, you can't dress this guy up and take him out because he's going to embarrass you. Not that guy. It's a guy who can go out in public, go out to work, go out and treat people out there with the same kindness and respect that he can inside the church um, so that he might not fall into disgrace, into the snare of the devil. Notice the devil is the enemy on the last two verses. Um, the devil's always the enemy. He's always at work. When you're running into trouble sometimes, you might think you're just having trouble. Never discount that you have an enemy. And in the Lord's Prayer, it is good to always pray. Protect us from the evil one. All right, so that's our text. We want to look at that big picture, not break it up too much. What sort of man does God want to shepherd his people? Here, we're ready to take notes. Ready? The church leader is called an overseer in this text. That word is interchangeable with elder, that's the word we use here, pastor, that's a word we use here, but not officially, really, preacher, reverend, 
priest, minister, well, all that's not in there, right? Well, it is. Minister, preacher, reverend, or even as some call him priest, no matter what he is called, he is to be a shepherd first. So you can call the dude a minister. You can call, I think calling him the right reverend, the most high reverend Mike, I kind of, you know, you might want to, the most high right reverend and, and exalted, exalted. Throw that, no, don't do that. But before all things, a shepherd. Before all things, a shepherd. And at this point, I need to make a distinction for the sake of culture, all right? And not culture of just our culture, but the culture of, whoa, one of these days, the culture of the church for the last 15, 18, 1900 years. The culture of the church for a long time has gone, unfortunately, in the wrong direction in the distinction between the professional elder and the non-professional, if there is such a thing. The professional being what we would call the clergy or the clergy class. When I was a little kid, one of the few times I went to church, um, and we did go sometime. We went enough so you could get the wafer. Um, you got to earn the wafer in the church I grew up in. You don't just get it. <laughs> you got to go to class. You got to show up. You got to do, I think you have to do at least confession at least once. <laughs> and then they say, okay, now you can take the wafer. Um, if you've always been a Protestant, you don't get that. That's all right. Watch a movie. I'm not going to explain it. But I remember thinking, I want to be a priest one day. Now, the reason I wanted to be a priest was nothing about him appealed to me except that I figured he's going to heaven. Because if you take the job priest, you get some sort of holiness credit and you get heaven. And I, as a kid, a lost kid, thought heaven's got to be better than hell, which is right. I quickly, and I mean quickly, within the same thought event, thought, no, I don't want to be that. They can't have girlfriends. And I was a kid. grew up and found out there can be exceptions, but (laughs) let's set that aside. It was the wrong path for me. Um, When you think, when I, my thought of clergy wasn't far off what most people think of clergy. He's a holier guy than the rest of us. And he's professional. He has degrees. He's gone to seminary. And and therefore, he's been advanced and trained for this. Um, He dresses differently, right? Um, Oh, why is he, he dressed differently? Um, to set himself apart, right? He's got that little white thing here, or he may have a little, um, those little, what do you call them things, them dangly things. That, the dangly things that hang, this, I'm thinking like a Catholic here, you may have never seen dangly things, but some Protestants use the dangly things, different colors, purple at Easter, I don't know why. I, I just think priests, they like purple Easter eggs. <laughs> and... <laughs> um, but they're not the only ones. Lutherans and Presbyterians and Baptists, they, some of them like to get a robe. A robe helps. It distinguishes you from the pond scum, right? I am clergy, you are pond scum. Um, there's a, a separation between the two. Uh, even, you know, I started preaching in the Baptist church. I had to wear a tie because that's what they always saw a preacher wearing. Right? Oh, okay. Well, that's the uniform. I wore a suit and tie every time I preached. But I'd look out and dudes would be in their Bermuda shorts. Deacons who expected me to wear a tie were wearing their Bermuda shorts. And I realized I'm playing a game here. I am clergy. I am holy. I have my uniform. 
I'm more educated, more holy. I'm professional. I could get that, I would get that little clergy sticker and put it on my car. Which does not change the price of a cup of coffee at Starbucks, but you can park closer to the door at the hospital. What a thrill that is. Um, but if you read the qualities we just re- read above, you'll note there's no advanced degrees mentioned, no specialized training mentioned. In fact, those qualities, with the exception of able to teach, are the qualities that if you read the rest of the Bible, God requires of every man in the church. God requires every man in this church not to be a drunkard. He requires of every man in this church to have self-control. In fact, there's only two skills listed. When I, if I was filling leadership, I think, what are the skills needed for the job? There's only two skills listed. Skill in teaching and the ability to manage a family. That's it. Self-controlled, kind, hospitable. You know what we used to call that? A grown-up. We used to call that a grown-up. Right? Not anymore. Grown-ups are they're just completely out of control nowadays. But the time, here's to be a time you were a grown-up, meant you were kind to people and all that stuff. You might think of a monk, you know. Um, the holiest person in the room is the clergy, right? Called upon when it's time to pray. If I go to an event and there's all Christians there, and they say, Pastor Mike, would you pray? If they know me at all, if they hardly know me, I'll say sure. But if they don't, I'll say no, because it messes with their thought of clergy. They thought, he's not that holy. <laughs> Why is he here? <laughs> Look, you, you, if, here's, here's what you should ask to pray when you really want God to hear and answer. Whoever in the room seems to have the most faith. Right? If that's an eight-year-old, but no, because I am clergy, and I went to seminary, and I did. Blessings upon thee, O pond scum, I will. <laughs> you are blessed to be in my presence. O thine heavenly, thineth, thineth, thine, with thou, thou, thine, thee, thy thither. You're like, man, that prayer is going to do it. Say it louder for the video. (laughs) Give me the stumbling, halty prayer of a farmer who sincerely loves God over every pontificating clergyman that's ever lived. Faith is faith. You don't see any of that in the character qualities looked for. When Jesus said, oh, I'm going to choose 12 guys, and they're going to be big shots. They're going to be such big shots that in like a thousand years, they're going to, the French are going to make statues of them and put them on Notre Dame. That's big shots. They're going to be in stained glass all over the world. My apostles. He didn't go to the priestly class. Not a single Pharisee, not a Sadducee, not a scribe, not a lawyer. He picked at least four fishermen. We don't know what all of them did. At least one government worker. I'd think that'd be a mistake. You're going to get, you know, but. <laughs> Some of you are government, work, government workers. I'm about to get in trouble. We want you. One of them was a, was a political zealot. You know, this is the kind of dude who's always on Drudge Report and screaming at everybody on Facebook. I'll take that guy. 
He picked who? He just picked dudes. What was he looking for? Could it be that the man who makes preachers out of men who had no desire to be preachers? I mean, that wasn't their vocational path. You know what fishermen want? More fish caught more easily, sold at a higher price. He says, well, I'm going to make you a preacher. Put down your nets. I'll make you a fisher of men. Anyone can catch fish. He looked for things that we would call character qualities or virtues. Remember those? <laughs> they used to be something we expected in people who led us. They're called things like courage and honesty and humility and willingness to sacrifice for the good of others or a heart for people, a love for truth. Remember those things? That's what I see when I see 1 Timothy 3, 1 and following. I don't see a call to the holiest person in the room. As it turns out, there's no pond scum in the room and there's no clergy in the room. There's no such thing as a professional elder. But you can lack those qualities and still become a professional pastor. Because <laughs> there really is such a thing. You just said there wasn't. Okay, I was speaking in the ideal. What does God really want for his church? We look at it like a vocation. Well, if anybody wants to be a pastor, all they got to do is figure out their denomination, figure out what you got to do for that denomination, go to that school, get ordained, and then boom, look for a job and wear the right clothes. That doesn't make you, that doesn't make you anything. Not in the eyes of God, in the eyes of man, maybe. Uh, another map, let's fill in the next one. In, if any man aspires to the office of overseer, the Bible says, it's an office, it's a job. It's not a, it's not a position of a holy man. It's a job that requires a person to work, to be the one who cares for the people who leads the flock, wants to. You, got, you aspire. What sort of man must this be? A good man. A humble man, a man willing to make the good of the rest of the group his top priority. What this is not is a professional. If you see a guy and he's wearing a collar, show him respect for a lot of reasons. One, he's a human being. <laughs> and they, two, he does want to serve God. Don't insult him just because he's clergyized himself. But don't think somehow he's holier than anybody else. That he's closer to God. He might be. He might be a man of great faith. But so might the person sitting right next to you in church right now. I remember one fellow told me, um, we had someone sick and, and, and couldn't get there fast enough. So um, we had an assistant pastor. And this wasn't here. This was in New Jersey. And an and a elder go pray. And then someone got hold of me. You, you didn't go. I, was, I didn't have time. And I, and I said, but we had two guys go and pray. And he says, you're the big bopper. <laughs> I'm like, you gotta go. What if I'm not feeling faith that day and I pray the person into the grave? I don't know. Just kidding. But if you think if the pastor doesn't say the prayer, the person's not gonna be healed, that's just not right. That, that's thinking that, that there is a spiritual pecking order. We can never set up a distinction between Christians. We are family. We're all brothers. Listen to what Jesus said. 
this, this text has been confused by many. Don't let it confuse you. It's in the context of getting rid of the idea of clergy. Because the idea was alive in his day. It was alive in his day. Those Pharisees and Sadducees, they had their hierarchies and they were holier than everybody else. And they wouldn't, you know, hang out with the sinners. Listen to what he says. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to the disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees, those are your professional clergy, sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe what they tell you. When they tell you it's in the Bible, they're telling you the truth. But don't do the works they do, for they preach but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move a finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries, those are things on your head, broad, and their fringes on their clothes long, and they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues. These guys are obviously hypocrites. I'm not saying everyone in the clergy class is a hypocrite. These guys are, many are, but his point is their clothing, their fringes, you know, loving the place of honor. Pastor, sit here. Okay, thank you. The best seats in the synagogues, the greetings in the marketplace, being called rabbi. There are some people, I think, going to the ministry just so someone will call them pastor so-and-so or reverend. If anyone ever gets offended because you don't use a title, a clergy title, there you go. Um, I, you can call me Mike. Well, a, a side note for, for, this is a side note, parentheses. At Harvest... We call our, something I'm going to tell you about in a second, vocational elders, pastor, and put that in front of their name. Here's a secret, okay? It's just for us. <laughs> don't tell anybody. You don't have to use the word pastor. We just do it because it's a social convention. It's good to respect your leaders, and if you do it out of respect and it's your habit, keep doing it. That's fine. You can do that, but you don't have to. If you say, Mike, I'll turn around. If you say Mike, about four people will turn around because it's a very common name. <laughs> you could put pastor there just to distinguish. Anyway. But look at, look at the verse 8 to 12. But you, now he's saying this to his disciples, are not to be called rabbi. For you have a teacher. Now, now some have taken this too far and say, I'm never allowed to use the word teacher. You're missing it. It, when we went to the Wailing Wall um, in Israel, you would have guys with all their get-up, the black outfits, and doing this stuff at the wall, and they would have their little minion around them, little dudes <laughs> with the side locks, who, and then they'd turn around, and they'd set up little desks, and they'd take notes from whatever their rabbi said. That's what he's saying. Don't have a clergy rabbi, a guru, right? <laughs> um, don't call each other guru, <laughs> For your brothers. Call no man father on your earth. He's talking not here that you can't. Dad, I'm going to call you Pete from now on. He's not saying that. He's saying in a clergy sense. You don't have a spiritual guy you call dad. It doesn't mean you can't use the term father. He's like my spiritual dad. He shared the gospel. You can say that. What he's saying is, well, I hate to say this because so much of my family and friends are in this tradition. You shouldn't be calling priest dad. You just shouldn't. The Pope shouldn't be called Papa. Um, but it's, it's been around a long time, Pope, and it's kind of stuck. It'd be hard to change. Neither be called instructors. If you have one instructor, the Christ. 
The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And here's the heart of what Jesus is getting at. Do not look at leading people in my name as something that lifts you above them. Right? Look at it as something, if you're going to do it, that puts you below them. They're your brothers and you serve them. Jesus is directly addressing the human tendency of setting up a spiritual hierarchy. And, and, and it happens everywhere. <laughs> this, this man, somebody told me, once there was a guy who was prophesying in Kansas City, all right? He was one of the Kansas City prophets, they called him. And I told my friend, this guy's full of bunk, right? He's full of Armstrong County fertilizer. They're throwing it everywhere these days when it's not snowing. And he goes, oh, no. Well, I said, no, the Bible says this, and he says that, and how do you know? And the guy tells me, and this is a Christian, he tells me, that guy is very, he spent years with God. He hears from God. He's very close to God. What he's just done is he's created clergy. And you start to think, the clergy is going to be the most spiritual guy in the room. When I went to First Baptist, I have a, a guy, and I'm not mad at him for this. I'm not trying to judge him. In fact, I would correct him in a loving way. <laughs> but he said to me, Look, here's how it works with the pastor. Everybody tries to be good, but they're not good at it. But the pastor's supposed to be the one who's the best at being good. I'm like, oh, that's how that works. No, he's not. We're all supposed to try the same amount. Who should lead God's flock? Brothers. Ordinary men who earn respect of their family, respect to the church, because they're respectable people. You may now be wondering how I got here. (laughs) People who are willing to take responsibility too. There's a lot of people who are respectable who don't want to take responsibility for the church and you can't condemn them. They don't want to. Fine, they don't have to. But there's some who do. Why? (laughs) There is a need for seminary. Here's another parenthesis. Should guys go to seminary? I am for seminary most of the time. Why? Because you need to get to know your Bible, especially if you're the preaching elder. And it's hard to do it as you go to work and go to church once a week. But if you take a few years off and study your brains out, it helps. But you don't have to do it to be an elder in God's church. You don't have to do it. What you have to be, let me ask it this way. What would you imagine is a good husband and father? How about someone, I'm gonna give you some qualities. How about he's not a drunkard? Wouldn't that be good? He's not a violent man, but he's gentle. That'd be good. How about some guy who's not quarrelsome or stingy? How, uh, you know, keeping accounts on the kids. You've cost me this much. No, no, no. Some of you are looking at your dad going, I told you. (laughs) Cheap hockey puck. Someone who manages his household with dignity, causing the children to respect him and obey him. Someone who doesn't know how to manage his own household, how will he care for the church of God? I was just reading the text again. You've already picked that up. 
it's actually, it came up behind me in most of these places, <laughs> right? That's, that's just a good husband and father, isn't it? Well, that's what you should look for for elder. There's a correspondence between your ability to take care. Now, you can't do that with everything. Who do I want to take care of my computer company? Well, he better be good at home. You know, here the truth is, you can have someone who's horrible at home and great at computers, great at home and horrible at computers. <laughs> you know, who do we want to run the fire station? He needs to be a good family man. He can be a great family man and houses burn down because he's not good at his job. Right? The skills of the home are the skills of the church. Why? Because we're family. We're not supposed to be something else. We're not a business, though business happens. That's like a family, isn't it? Isn't it? You know, we're, we're not a charitable organization, but kindness and charity happens. Well, that's like a family, isn't it? And by the way, if you're a dad or you're going to be a dad, that means a single guy, and you say, I don't want to be an elder, fine. You still have to follow all the things on this list except the able to teach, and still you should try because it's your family. If you're a wife or, and mother or future wife or future mother, and you say, I don't want to be a pastor's wife, <laughs> it would stink. My wife wouldn't agree necessarily. You still are dumb if you don't look for a man who's trying to do these things. You marry an idiot, you'll be meeting the pastor in years to come. Happens all the time. <laughs> if you don't, ladies, if you don't do your accounting on the front end, trust me, you're going to get to know your pastor if you love Jesus. Because when things fall apart, that's who you're going to call, and he'll be there all the way through the divorce. I, I wish that weren't so, but it is. We're not professionals. John Piper wrote a book on it. He called it Brothers. We are not professionals. You can read the book, but that's pretty much the whole heart of the book. <laughs> so don't. <laughs> Save the money. In your community groups this week, uh, we want you to go deeper on what it means to have elders in the church and what they are. So you'll be looking up most every verse on elder in the New Testament this week in your community group. Um, you can open your map if you want and get a head start and look at it before your community group and read up. I'm not going to talk a lot more about what the Bible says necessarily. I'd like to talk more about Harvest a little bit so you understand how we're managed. Um, at Harvest, ready to fill in a blank? We call our overseers elders. So I'm an elder officially. We have two categories of elders. You don't have to call me Elder Mike, right? Because that reminds me of the Mormons. Right, Mormons, some, some 19-year-old shows up my door on a bike and it says, elder, <laughs> like, elder of what? <laughs> Four-year-olds? Okay, whatever. Um, but we're elders. Um, anyone seen those biked elder people? Only me? None of you have seen a Mormon? What do you got to go to this? Not on a bike, but you've seen a Mormon. Some of you have seen Mormons? Mormon sightings everywhere. They're the nicest people. If they ever come to your house, invite them in, feed them well. They're far from home, lonely kids, and they need love. Um, don't go to their church. We <laughs> don't. We have two categories of elders, vocational and non-vocational. 
And we have executive elders and campus elders. Those are the two categories. Vocational and non-vocational is a category. (laughs) And executive and campus is another category. Within those categories, we have various functions. I know you don't, this isn't thrilling. I'll try to make it thrilling, okay? I was going to wear a funny hat. But I do want you to understand how your church government works, at least at the leadership. Next week, deacons. This week, elders. Um, Vocational versus non-vocational. Let's deal with that category first and briefly. That simply means some of your elders make a living doing this, and some of your elders do not make a living doing this. It means some of your elders do this all the time, caring for the flock, and some of them go to a regular job, and they're God's lights and missionaries in the marketplace, and they care for their family, and with with the time they have left, they shepherd also. Um, You can't have too many, I say. The Bible allows for this flexibility and function and provision. I'm not going to do an exhaustive explanation, but I want to show you a little evidence in 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 18. Ready? Let the elders who rule well be considered of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. That sentence alone shows that the early church from the beginning began to categorize off the functions of elders. First, it's a group in the local church, elders plural. See that? Do you see that? The very beginning, let the elders make a noise here in containing so I know you're with me. You see that? Thank you. Those who rule well, which meant you have some that actually, not that the others do poorly, but they stand, they do more. They go above the others. So you, they have more responsibilities, perhaps different functions are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor at preaching and teaching which this part seems very self-serving, so I'll move past that really quickly. For the scripture says, you should not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. The labor deserves its, its wages, showing that you can actually pay some of them. You're allowed to pay them so they don't have to concern themselves making a living elsewhere. But they don't all have to be in there. There's various levels of responsibility. Some in the Bible, in the New Testament, getting... It was the most normal thing for the Jews that what they do with the money you give to the Jews is you use it to pay workers. That's what Jews did with money and also to take care of the poor. Peter and his family got their living from the church. Paul would get his living from the church sometime and not other times. Other times as a single man, he'd work and he would do evangelism. He wouldn't want that on you. At Harvest, we invest in vocational elders. We have nine we, we, we are a multi-site church, but we do not believe the strength is in being able to use technology to go to different places. The strength is in getting leaders to shepherd in various places to give healthy congregations that people in those places can all go to. So we have nine vocational elders that you and I support with our tithes. Um, and yes, I tithe too. You might think, Why don't you just cut his pay by 10%? (laughs) Because then I'd still tithe, but I'd have 10% less money to do it with. If I'm asking you to give, I should give too. And and with that money, we support all the others. Um, But we also have another 15 or so, I don't even know the number now, non-vocational elders, guys who serve. They still, God provides for them through another job or another means, or they're just independently wealthy. Not, not our guys, forget that last part. <laughs> so that's vocational and non-vocational. Normally our vocational are the ones you call pastor, but you don't have to. And if you want to, you could get a non-vocational elder and call him pastor. 
if he starts demanding it, don't call him pastor, but report him to me. <laughs> He's blowing it. <laughs> He's making my sermon wrong. We can't have that. The other category, I know this is exciting. This won't take much longer. We'll get back to, then I get to my, it says conclusion in my notes. Isn't that a fun time in the sermon? Okay, the next category is executive elders versus campus elders. Um, What is that? Well, (laughs) we found it's really hard to make decisions when you have a church of about a thousand people and four campuses because no one knows what's going on in the decision-making room. So the elders don't get together to make all the decisions. You have elders who are given, you make decisions in this category, you make decisions in this category, you make decisions in this category. And we pulled out from our elders four guys who are non-vocational, not paid, and pretty much they're told the decisions that are being made in the church. And they offer accountability by going, hmm, okay, hmm, okay, hmm, okay. And they may give counsel and advice to the other two guys in there, me and... Fred Neal, the older. He's very old. That's how you... (laughs) Don't worry, he's not here with a gun. (laughs) We are, and we hear that counsel. And then we show all the boring financial reports. So they handle the administrative stuff. I am delighted by this small group of men because it means most of our elders aren't doing that. Why does that matter to me? Because I see so many times serving in church government just means going to administrative meetings once a month and you don't do anything. Well, what's that got to do with shepherding the flock? Those men take the burden, those four men, off the other elders. They meet as campus elders with their campus pastors. Now, if you're listening in Indiana, we got a campus elder in training at the pipeline. And if you're listening in Freeport, we don't have any campus elders. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but we're working on it. Except Mike. <laughs> Love him well. And, uh, but we'll, we, in all seriousness, we, we look around for men who are seeking to be good dads and husbands. You know, where do you find good elders? Look at men who are in the church who naturally feel like they're responsible for the flock. They seem capable. They seem respectable and all those things on the list. And then you put them through time in serving. And then we have a little process I'm not going to go into. And they become elders. And we will have elders at the Freeport campus. They're just the newest campus. Um, But what those campus elders do when they meet is talk about nothing except concerns of the people who go to their campus. They actually care about the sheep. Who am I visiting? What new person is here? Who's hurting? How can we help? Where are we missing? And all they do is care for sheep. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And you have those men among you in all these campuses, and you have your future elders among you in Freeport. I don't know who that'll be, but God will raise up. We are always looking for a few good men. We're not looking for the best businessmen, not looking for clever managers. We're looking for people who have a strong desire for the good of others and a feeling like somehow they don't know why, but they're responsible for God's church. We're not looking for a class of people that's holier than the rest. When I first became, was becoming a Christian, I believed everything I heard on TV, which is amazing. I'm still 
you know, hear. <laughs> and there was this one guy, Ken Copeland, loved listening to him because he'd hear from God. Hey, what is it, Lord? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Really, right in the middle of his, I don't know if he still does it. He's probably, he's still on TV with Gloria. Uh-huh. Yeah. Why? Why are we going to do this? Okay, Lord, I got it. The Lord told me. And I thought, man, this is going to be good. We don't want any of that crap. We don't want anyone who's holier than the rest of us. We want everyone who has the exact same pipeline to God called the Holy Spirit through the Bible. And we want good men. Average, individual, ordinary men. Our guiding text. We have a guiding text as elders. I'm going to throw it at you. I know. This is at the conclusion. I know. We sign a covenant once a year, every one of us, that we're still in the game. Once a year, we get together for a meeting. We're all there, and we have to sign a covenant saying, I still am committed to you people as a brother. It doesn't mean, we want to give guys the opportunity to say, I still love you guys, but I need to take time off from this. (laughs) But if you're in, you're in. And right on that covenant is an exhortation from an elder we have a lot of respect for named the Apostle Peter. And he said this, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. Isn't that beautiful? The Apostle Peter came down out of the stained glass. He came off of that big ledge on Notre Dame and came to life. And he says, I am just an elder like you are. What a good example he was to us. And a witness of the sufferings of Christ, because he saw it. And a partaker of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. That's your job. Shepherd them. Love them. They're, your, they're God's flock. It's not yours. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Don't domineer over those in your charge you have to do it submit to me i am the pastor no 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 don't do that instead be an example to the flock and get this here's the part i love the most when the chief shepherd appears so we're just we're the minions we're the pond scum we elders but we don't care because we have a chief shepherd he's the dude you will receive the unfading crown of glory we work for him. Why him? Because he's the shepherd that is laid down his life for the sheep. He is the shepherd who did what the law could not do. Weak as it was through your flesh, he took your sin on his body and died so you could live because he loves you. Right now, Christian, he cares for you. He, he hires, or doesn't hire, he, I don't know, he buys with his blood other shepherds. He says, get in there and help out my sheep. And we're like, Lord, you could do a better job. <laughs> you love them more, you died on a cross, for, you died on a cross for me. <laughs> I'm just one of them. Well, just get in there and do it, kid. <laughs> because he's the great shepherd. Jesus Christ died for your sins. For you who are elders, dang, you better not get all proud, huh? You follow one who, who died for the sake of those he's looking after. 
Don't, don't. 13 years ago, I got here and uh, we set up a government of, of as we call elder-led. And uh, some people said, some important people said, harvest to me, a multi-staff church like this one cannot be elder-led. Other people don't do it like that. You can't do it like that. You need a professional staff to run things. And I said, well, we're going to go with First Timothy and see how it goes. <laughs> and the other said, Here, here's the thing that always got me. I said, well, let, why don't we make the pastors part of the leadership here? Because they weren't. It was just me because I'm that important. And there was a question. And in, in, in churches, we went to a leadership conference and they have a church where the pastors aren't elders. We don't know if the pastor is qualified to be an elder in my church. Well, oh, but he, you call him pastor. You, which means shepherd, by the way. That, that all, that's all that means is shepherd. If your pastor is not qualified to be an elder, then he's not qualified to shepherd your sheep and don't call him pastor. And we made all the pastors or elders, period. If they're not qualified for that, get out or stay, but not, not as a pastor. So he said, that won't work. Well, it's working. <laughs> We're here. We're here. We're not amazing. We're just regular folks. We're a church. Uh, Many things have changed and will change at Harvest, including the way we organize as elders. But one thing will always stay the same. We must never depart from God's simple plan. Ordinary, imperfect men of God with good character who solve problems in the same manner as they do in their homes and in the rest of the world. Leading with the same care as they do in their families and in the rest of the world. Seeking to set the example of Jesus at all times. This is the way of God. This is the plan of God. Your response, some of you, God's calling to be elders. And you will be. God willing. But all of us need to take this plan. It's, it's humbling. It's better to have clergy. Oh, it'd be so much easier to have Ken Copeland because he hears from God. You're stuck with, I was going to mention their names, but you may or may not know them, but so you're stuck with me and these other guys. Ordinary people. That's how God wants it, okay? That's how the Father wants it. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Harvest Community Church. We invite you to join us at any one of our four campuses located in Catanning, Petrolia Valley, Indiana, and Freeport. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org.